WBNE. Hello from elsewhere. I'm Valerie hanging out in Pawnee, Indiana with the lovely host of That's What I'm Talking About, which was named one of the nine best Lord of the Rings podcasts by BookRiot.com and is named best Lord of the Rings podcast by the hosts of Hello from Elsewhere. Welcome to the one and only Mary Clay Watt. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you brought that up. That's crazy. (laughs) I have to. It's so cool. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. Oh, I've been looking forward to this for a really long time, especially once you mentioned that you wanted to talk about Parks and Rec. I was like, yes. Yes. It's one of my favorite yes. shows. Yeah, Casey mentioned like, because both of you were on for episodes of Tolkien about, I think in January. And I think he mentioned then. He was like, oh, yeah, we'd love to have you on like sometime in March, maybe. And I was like, that's years away. And right? then here we are. It's March. This is nuts. That <laughs> the, we're a third of the way. Well, no, we're not a third of the way through 2020 yet, but it's crazy. And I've been agonizing over what to talk about for three months or two months, I guess. But here we are. Yay. It's a terribly difficult question. But before we (laughs) jump into talking about Parks and Rec, I want to ask you what your first memory of a story is, whether a book or movie. I'm sure that like it was probably Madeline or Winnie the Pooh or something along those lines. Those were my favorite books when I was like really little. Um, maybe like Junie B. Jones or something. I'm I'm an awful person when it comes to like, what's your earliest memory? Because I swear, I don't remember anything until like the age of eight. <laughs> and up until then, my life is just a blur. But I do vividly remember, I don't know if it was like the first movie I ever saw, but one of my very vivid memories of seeing a movie in theaters Uh, My grandma was like watching me for the day and she took me to see Tarzan and it was so loud because the movie opens with like a boat. The boat is on fire and they're running away and and escaping from the boat. And it's very loud and it was very scary. And we had to leave the theater. So those are like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it's not a good memory. So traumatized memory. Tarzan scared you. Yeah. And then like another memory that sticks out with the movies, like kind of in the same age range. I lost my tooth when I was watching Monsters, Inc. So that's a good one to combat the like being traumatized by Tarzan. But yeah. What did you do with the tooth? Did you just hold it the rest of the movie? Did I think, you yeah, put I it in I your pocket? Like did you hold it in my head? I was probably, well, I remember I was eating popcorn and I was like, wow, that's a really hard kernel. Kernel. And I was like trying to like chew down on it. And then I was like, wait, I'm missing. There's a hole in my mouth. (laughs) And I was like, oh, it's it's a tooth. And I like turned to my mom and I was like, what do I do with this? And she's like, I don't know. Just keep it. (laughs) Hang on to it. Uh, My kids are always handing me things. Put this in your purse. That's what they tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I bet you that's probably what like my mom did. She was probably like, "Here, just give it to me," and she like put it in her purse somewhere, <laughs> just jingling around in the coin pocket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like takes out a, co- a handful of coins to like pay for a parking meter, and it's like, "Oh, there's my child's tooth. tooth. That's yeah. fine." <laughs> that's so fun. So you mentioned that this is a a hard question. Did you have any other runner ups, or what? How did you decide to talk about Parks and Rec? 
Yeah, it. So like in one in one sense, this honestly wasn't a hard question because I think like my first th- I would try and like clear my mind and then try and answer this question and almost and I would do this like every couple days or something when I hadn't thought about it in a while. And like every time my first initial thought was pretty much always Parks and Rec. And then I would go like, no, like there's got to be something else. Like what else is there that's like more critically acclaimed or more well liked or, you know, has gone on, has a lot longer seasons or, you know, and I kept coming back to Parks and Rec. And it's also hard for me because like I definitely have a lot of things that are my favorites based on like a phase of life that I'm in. So like probably like like elementary school. It's hard because like if you had asked me this question maybe five years ago, I might have said like Harry Potter or like 10 years ago. Where was I 10 years ago? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard because, you know, pieces of media affect you differently depending on what you're going through in life. And, and then also there's another part of me that I was like, no, I want to pick something smart. I'm going to pick like Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is one of my favorite books. Or like I'll pick a really cool movie. And, and I just kept coming back to these, these dum-dums in Pawnee, Indiana, who I love so much. <laughs> They really are the most lovable characters, though. They're so fun. I know. To me, Parks Parks and Rec is honestly, like, it's a comfort show to me at this point because I, I don't want to, like, jump ahead into any other questions, but I pretty much watched all of it when I was in college, so it reminds me of, like, a much easier time in life where... <laughs> Sure, it was hard being a college student and balancing classes and writing papers and and everything and dealing with like, what am I going to major in and what am I going to do with the rest of my life and all those scary questions. But just thinking back to like, wow, it was like a lot more straightforward then and it was so much easier to it, it just whenever I turn whenever I hear that theme song, I just remember like sitting in my dorm room watching watching one of these episodes. I love that. Yeah. I love that it yeah. harkens you back to your, like you said, it's a comforting time and an easier time for you. Yeah. I've watched it so many times at this point that I feel like I can quote a I lot know, of the. Right? Yeah. <laughs> My attention span's kind of short. So I really prefer the like 20 to 30 minute TV shows. I love a good hour-long episode, that's fine, but I need these sitcoms in my life. Even though, you know, I could still spend two to three hours watching it and it doesn't make a difference if I'm watching two episodes of an hour-long show or four episodes of a 20-minute show. But anyway, um, I have, let's see, I have, I don't know, maybe three or four TV shows that I just kind of watch always on a loop. And I'm just about to finish my like third loop of New Girl. And I was like, well, dang, now what am I going to do? I just did I just did Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I, I'm, I'm watching Scrubs is in the mix of that, too. But what else? And then I was like, well, I'm going to start talking about Parks and Rec soon in a couple weeks. Might as well start it up again. So I'm like halfway through season two now. But that's fantastic. Uh yeah. Are you team season one or do you skip a lot of season one? Because I feel like there's oh both. Yeah, I, I skip a lot of season one or I'll put it on 
if I'm doing something else, like if I'm cleaning my room or getting ready in the morning for work or something, I'll have it on in the background because I'm not going to lie, season one is definitely not great. And even a good chunk of the way into season two, like there are parts of season two that are great, but it definitely hits its stride when Ben and Chris show up. And I agree. No offense to Mark Brandanowitz, but when he left and Chris and... Uh, Chris and Ben show up it it's really great they did such a good job with like assembling this amazing ensemble of actors that work so well together and complement each other it's it's so great to watch it really does get so much better with Chris and Ben (laughs) they're my favorites Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so how would you describe Parks and Rec to somebody who's never seen it you're trying to sell the show hey you really need to watch this what would you tell them well in the context of our if I'm talking to someone who has seen other shows I would probably say it's like The Office but if the characters actually liked each other someone once uh, I don't remember the what podcast it was but they were talking about The Office and Parks and Rec there's that obvious comparison because they're both sitcom workplaces they have a lot of the same creative team behind it and people are really quick to be like the the office is the better of the two and I fully disagree because so the way that the person on this podcast explained it is that the office is like humor based on pessimism and Parks and Rec is humor based on optimism. And it's just such a nice change of pace to watch a TV show where generally the characters all like each other and they're trying to support each other and cover up for each other. I was just watching an episode where they go on the hunting trip and Ron accidentally gets shot and Leslie covers up for Tom who actually shot him because Tom didn't have his hunting license and he would have gotten fines and gone to jail and all this stuff and Leslie covers up for him. And it's so, like it's such a dumb thing that like Ron gets shot and Leslie covers up for Tom, but it's just so, it's so heartfelt and uh, it's like a warm hug. (laughs) They do have a great mix of that comedy and love, I think between all their Mm -hmm. characters. It's yeah. fantastic. So what does Parks and Rec say on a thematic level about about the world or, or society? What makes it relatable to all of us not in Pawnee, Indiana? I think it's largely about reminding us that it's our relationships. And for a lot of adults, it's their friendships that are going to get you through life. Uh, one of Leslie's like most quotable quotes it let me pull up the exact one because i want to make sure i say it right where is it ah here it is okay um yeah leslie says we need to remember what's important in life friends waffles work or waffles waffles friends work doesn't matter but work is third and that's such a great reminder that like it's your friends that are important in life and it's these relationships that are going to get you through hard times and that we should all be around to support and uplift each other whenever possible and even though these friendships are there are a lot of like weird times for these friendships and they all go through different journeys and motions and experiences and that's very I mean on a exaggerate it's on an exaggerated level compared to real life but that's very true to real life friendships that you go through journeys with your friends over the years as you're each changing and adapting to life and and everything but 
ultimately, if they're if they're a good person and you care about them, then you'll do what you can to keep them in your life. Yes, I can definitely relate to that. Like I'm thinking of the episode where Leslie has to say goodbye to Chris and Anne as they move away. And she's incredibly heartbroken, which is just like anytime you part with one of your best friends when one of you moves and it just feels so real. It's hard. Yeah. I like literally just wanted to start crying just now remembering that episode. (laughs) I also like with Leslie's quote that you mentioned that she puts work third, which is huge for her. I feel like that's a way in which she grows Mm -hmm. throughout the series because work is some of her biggest aspirations in life. She wants to become president essentially you know it's like her ultimate goal and for her to say that work is the least important of those three shows her growth yeah and it also it also shows that she's very she's very capable of being able to prioritize prioritize things in her life um because that, that quote comes at the end of uh what i rank as the top one episode number one of Parks and Rec which is season where is it which is the fight season three episode 13 most people probably know it as the snake juice episode um oh yes (laughs) but yeah and so it comes at the it comes at the end of that after she and Anne have been having such a huge had a huge their big like first fight and she realizes that it's important she would rather have Anne's friendship than all the accolades at work. I love that. So if that's your very favorite episode, do you have any other honorable mentions? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I say as I open. Do you have a top 10 so, list of your favorite episodes? Because I really want to hear yeah, it. <laughs> no, I don't have a top 10 because I didn't want to get that extensive. But I was like, I don't want to just pick. I feel like I'm cheating by saying, oh, Parks and Rec is my favorite piece of fiction. Because there's so many. It's not like a single movie. years worth of content. Yeah, it's years worth of content. It's smart. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'll narrow it down a little bit and say, like, these specifically are my favorite pieces of fiction. So, yes, number one is The Fight. That's the episode. First of all, it has a classic Ron Swanson cold open where he breaks the coffee machine, but he puts it out in front of everyone in the office and says, "Okay, who broke it? And everyone's like accusing each other. And then it cuts to him (laughs) and he's like, I broke it. But it was getting a little chummy around here. They'll probably be tearing each other apart in five minutes. Classic. And then it's also the introduction of Janet Snakehole. And Burke Ma- Bert Macklin as a duo. Duo. They're Love so it. great. Yeah. So number two, from this is uh, just a, a very personal one that probably not a lot of people would could understand why I have it so high, but it's season four, episode six, and it's called The End of the World. And this is like my comfort episode. If I'm going through a hard time and I just need to turn something on and just zone out and forget for a little bit, I'll turn this episode on. Remind me what that uh, episode is. Yes, so there's a cult in Pawnee that believes there is a like lizard overlord is their god they believe that there's this lizard overlord god and that they have the end of the world marked down and they have this end of the world party in the park and then simultaneously tom's 
company entertainment 720 that he did with john ralphio uh has gone bankrupt and they're gonna have to cut their losses and call it quits and they used the last of their money to throw a really amazing awesome party and it's also when andy wants to cross some of the things off of his bucket list and uh, there's also an underlying subplot of and of uh, who are these characters? Leslie and Ben want to be together, but they can't. And it's very heart wrenching. And the final couple minutes of it is underscored by this song, All Will Be Well. And it's such a beautiful song. And the way that they it's honestly like a really kind of a change of pace for a sitcom show where it's a you know, it's like a change of pace, cinematically speaking, where it's created and put together really beautifully. Oh, and then it ends with Andy and April go to the Grand Canyon. And then Andy goes, so uh, where are the faces? (laughs) And I think that's That's I think that's like how it ends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's I, I, I can't really explain why, but like that's that's my comfort episode. It's why I love like so dearly. And then my third favorite is Media Blitz. This is episode sorry, season three, episode five. And this is right before the Harvest Festival. And once again, it has another classic Ron Swanson cold open. It's when he gets a typewriter and he's like, I'm going to type all the words I know. Rectangle, (laughs) computer, banana, butthole. (laughs) And uh, and then it shows them going on interviews with the press. And Ben is a hot mess because they keep bringing up Ice Town. And it's the very iconic one where he's on Pawnee today and his lower third says Ben Wyatt human disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so great. (laughs) Which is what everybody wants to be called on an interview. Oh my gosh. And I'm just like, that's, there are so many times in my life where I'm like, that's me. I'm a human disaster. (laughs) My, I think the best scene, this is a really specific thing. The best scene in all of Parks and Rec, and I would argue in all of TV history, is in season four, episode 11, The Comeback Kid. And it's the scene where Leslie is supposed to be giving a speech because she's running for uh, city council. And instead of it being on a basketball court, it's on an ice rink. Tom blew the budget getting a red carpet for their entry, and it doesn't go the entire length of the ice rink to the stage. Ron was only able to build half of a stage, and there are no stairs. Andy and April just adopted Champion, the three-legged dog, and Ron has to carry him. And this is all underscored to get on your feet. And the way that they perfectly timed them slipping and sliding and falling over with get on your feet. Get up and make it happen. It's absolutely hysterical. I die laughing every single time. And it's a cinematic masterpiece. 
It's so good. I was trying so hard not to laugh during your whole description there because I wanted the audience to be able to hear it. It's so good. It's It's so good. And like, I can't even, I can't do it justice with words. So if you have never, if you've never watched Parks and Rec and you don't want to watch it or literally just go watch this one scene and you don't need to know any context about the show or the characters. It's just so good. And it's so it's so smart. The writers were are brilliant for writing this. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> and then isn't it the same scene where they have the uh, high school basketball legend who's now yes. a 40-something-year-old yeah, yeah, man the... who tries to slam dunk? <laughs> yeah. They bring in, but I forget his name, ice. but it's, yeah, it was like Pawnee, it was like years and years ago, Pawnee High School basketball team won like some championship with this one kid who did a slam dunk and it was basically like Pawnee High School's only claim to fame that they've been holding on to for, you know, 20 years. And they bring in this local celebrity who was this kid and he's like, I hate that people only know me as, I think his name was Pete, That's, but I, I can't say remember. Pete. If we both yeah. think it's Pete, it's gotta be Pete. But he and has a he nickname with it. Wanna, slam dunk Pete. I want to say that too. I'm going to Google search this. And he's like really resentful about the fact that uh, people seem to, he's like, you know, I've done a lot of other great things in my life and I have a lot of other accomplishments too, but people only seem to care about the winning basketball game in 1986 or, or whatever. And he goes to do a slam. D- he's like, a vote for Leslie Nope is a slam dunk. And he goes to jump <laughs> It's slam dunk in the basketball hoop, but because he's on ice, he totally slips and smacks his head on the ice. And then Anna's like, oh, no, I'll come over. And she starts shuffling over. (laughs) And then right before it cuts away to another scene, you hear the song start up again. It it just goes like, get on your... And then it cuts away again. (laughs) Pistol Pete is his name. Pistol Pete, there it is. Let's see, Pistol... Pistol Pete DeCilio is a Pawnee resident famous in Pawnee for his last second dunk in 1992 at a basketball game against Eagleton High. Oh, it's not even like a championship. It's just against their rivals. No, it's just against, it's just, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It makes it all Um, the better. Pawnee isn't known for much. They're clinging to this one basketball game. Exactly. Real quick, I do have some other honorable mentions that I'd like to throw out there. There's season yes. two, episode one, Pawnee Zoo, which is when Leslie accidentally marries the, marries the two male penguins and she becomes a gay icon in Pawnee. <laughs> um, season three, episode 16, Lil Sebastian is when he sadly passes away, but we get the iconic Bye Bye Lil Sebastian song. Yeah. Uh, Season four, episode four, Pawnee Rangers is the origin of Treat Yourself uh, by lovely Tom Haverford and Donna Meagle. Oh, I'd season that was the five. Same episode. Yeah, it's so great. Oh, it's great. Um, season five, episode 14, Leslie and Ben is when Leslie and Ben get married. And season one. six, episode eight, Cones of Dunshire for, of course, the Cones of Dunshire. <laughs> And those are so like all good. the I would say originate a lot of the iconic moments from from Parks and Rec that all the fans love. Absolutely. It's such a good show. It's great and it's silly. Who would you say is your favorite character in Parks and Rec? 
this one was hard <laughs> because I don't know if I would necessarily say that, oh, Leslie's my favorite character because I love Leslie and Ben together. And I love Leslie and Anne together. And I don't think I would necessarily say, oh, I love April because when April and Andy are together is when it's best. And like, it just really harkens back to the one of the central themes of the show being friendship that it's when the people are together is when they're at their, their strongest. But for the sake of this question, I, I think I will go with Leslie. She's such a a treasure and such a positive ray of sunshine to have in the fictional TV world. And it's also just a nice change of pace that it's not anything over the top. She's not a female character that's been like overly sexualized. It's not about her love life and, or it's not about her love life until a very, uh, and I don't want to say, what's a better word than decent? <laughs> oh, my God. Repu- <laughs> I don't know. Reputable. Like, when reputable, like, good people come into play, then it is about her love life. But it's also about her love life opposing her run for city council. And what's that going to be like? And, and all this other stuff. And, yeah, she's just, she's great. And everyone should look up to her. I remember after the 2016 election, the Parks and Rec, I don't know, I don't know if the writers wrote it or if it was Amy Poehler that wrote it, but they she it released a letter about like the future of America from the perspective of Leslie Nope. And it was such a like beautiful, wonderful thing to read to remind us that like there's work to be done in the future of like our government if we want things to get better and it's going to be hard work but it'll be good work and it was just like such a like wonderfully timed thing to read and and once again it was just like have it was like having a hug from from Leslie saying like it'll be okay like eat some eat some waffles with some whipped cream and things will be all right and because remember the most important things in life are friends and waffles and then work so I love that the show deals so much with like her complications between her aspirations and her work and then her personal life and friendship um her and Ben's relationship is kind of a hindrance to that and she has to decide what is most important to her and there's a lot of setbacks and even when she does get on city council she gets uh you know she gets that's the worst when she gets um I was trying to not take. Re- yeah, when she repeal? gets taken what's off, the, and I say what's the word? I don't. I don't think. I don't think impeached is the right word, but that's essentially what happens. Right. Um, but yeah, that was like such a bummer. Oh, the other. Wait, what else did it? That just reminded me that I was like writing, trying to write down some of my answers to just like think through this, and I was like. I don't know, maybe Paul Rudd is my favorite character because he has a like wonderfully like brief kind of cameo role on Parks and Rec. <laughs> he in, is really I think, great. Season four. Yeah, as um Oh yeah. Bobby Newport's never, never had, had a, a real, real job, job in his in life. His life. <laughs> <laughs> and exactly. he's so good as Bobby Newport. <laughs> he really is great. I just love I just love Paul Rudd, but I do too. It's fantastic. He's great. In that <sighs> one. Yeah. Since you love all their relationships that are in Parks and Rec, could you pick a favorite couple? Oh, a hundred percent Leslie and Ben. 
I know they're that so one's good. easy. They're so <laughs> they're just so nice and sweet and uplifting, and they're supportive, but not to a point where they're not going to always hunt like blindly support the other person because there's I don't remember exactly what it is they're fighting over, but there is one point where oh, I think it's when Leslie wants to shut down the farmers market yes. because the like kale people kale after dark. Get, yeah, it's like- yeah get like models to come out and they're basically wearing like kale bikinis and stuff and the guy selling it is like there's no good way to market kale and leslie's <laughs> like this is a farmer's market this is supposed to be for families and ben's like he's an independent business he should be like he can do what he wants and all this stuff like don't get involved and they set very strict uh, guidelines for themselves that they're not going to s- talk about this when they're uh, at home and they can only talk about it when they're on city property or government property at work. And they're just constantly trying to make each other better, but not to the point where they are, you know, blindly ignoring problems that the other person is experiencing yes and i love that they're still competitive with each other like when they try to (laughs) one-up each other for gifts because leslie is the ultimate gift oh it's so good um really recently they released because so in that episode uh ben gets the iron throne and he makes a stupid face that leslie loves a lot and like really recently within the past like year or so they released a video of the what was like cut from that scene of Ben like acting out Game of Thrones and being extra excited and dorky over the throne and all this stuff and it's so funny and I wish that they had kept the funny thing though is that like it was like three or four minutes long of him just improving <laughs> him like reacting to getting the iron throne and and all this stuff and I was like you should have kept that whole thing in I don't the care if the thing. scene would have been five minutes long yeah <laughs> I'm gonna have to go look it up I need I need this in my life I know it's so great <laughs> that's the other part about this show is that the bloopers are top-notch quality as well. Yeah. If you ever need a good laugh, just Google search for Parks and Rec bloopers. It's a great way to lift up your day. Some Parks and Rec bloopers. <laughs> we mentioned that Leslie Nope was the ultimate gift giver, and I just had the thought, if Leslie Nope was going to give you any gift, you know how oh, she goes like all out on a birthday party, what would she give you or do for your birthday? Jeez. Oh, um, see, that's... That's where it would be super helpful for Leslie to actually be a real life person and do that because I'm awful at when people are like, oh, what do you want for Christmas or what do you want to do for your birthday? I'm so bad at it. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's go get tacos. So, <laughs> so you, you need a Leslie note to into, I need a you Leslie know, into what you need. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And honestly, like it depends on my mood because there might be some days where for my birthday, all I want to do is is do like Ron, like she does for Ron, where she just sets him up with a nice steak and some whiskey and his favorite movie alone. And that's his dream night. It's just so it's so nice of Leslie to recognize that that's what is and I think she says it too. She's like, 
Oh yeah, we had we had four bouncy castles and fifteen pinatas at Anne's birthday because that was for Anne. You're not Anne. This is for you. Like this is only a birthday party that Ron Swanson could appreciate. Yeah, that's one of the magics of her character. If she drove out, if she pulled a, a taco truck in front of my apartment on my birthday, I think I would be happy. I love a good taco. It's <laughs> fantastic. Yes, I love, I really love that moment. Uh, it just shows how individually she knows each of her friends and that she puts the mm-hmm. time into getting to know them on such a deep level. And and the gift that she gives Ron of the automatic door shutter with a button oh, to his yeah, office. Oh yeah, that too, yeah. <laughs> and he's like almost in tears about it. Like he just yeah. like, because <laughs> he loves it so much. There's one episode where... Everyone in the office is like, what did she get for you? And they go through and they share like their deeply personalized gifts. And they're like, crap, we have to get her something really good. And they make a like gingerbread house reconstruction of the office. And they have everyone be a candy purse. Like Ron is made out of marshmallows, I think. And it's something that's like so silly and ridiculous. But Leslie loves it because... They put so much time and effort into such a like thoughtful, personalized gift that only they could make for her, and she like bursts into tears and hugs them all. Such a good moment. I know. Good old Leslie Nope. I thought of one more Leslie Nope question. If yes. you could attend any Leslie Nope event, what would it be? Um, I'm stuck between the Harvest Festival and... Uh, the Unity concert that they do, I think, at the end of season six. Yeah, Maybe I would say the so Har- the Harvest Festival because Lil Sebastian is alive at that point and he is there for everyone to see. Oh, that's a great. That was another the Harvest episode. The Harvest Festival episode is also a quality episode because it has been thinking that he's cursed because the Wamapoke put a curse on the land and he gets uncursed because <laughs> the guy like th- goes over and like throws dust in his face and says something <laughs> in his native language that's like that's like here you go crazy white boy and she and Lizzie's like ah yes an ancient Native American curse removal ceremony <laughs> and really it means nothing but yeah that episode ends with they're all crowded around little Sebastian's pen and Ben is just pretending that he's really into little Sebastian because he doesn't get it at all and he's talking to the cameras and he's like I still don't get it and then in the background little Sebastian whinnies and Liz is like come on he whinnied and he's like yeah I heard it that's amazing and then he turns back to the camera and he's like I don't get it and does the classic (laughs) Ben face yeah I love that it's a running joke throughout like at the the Unity concert they also have a little Sebastian like the hologram hologram. yeah (laughs) and Ben's face is just like that is the biggest waste of a hologram of all time he's like funny and it's so ridiculous because like in that moment in a lot of the moments of the show Ben is the surrogate audience member the outsider to Pawnee and yeah and in that in that any point where he looks at the camera and does his little like what the heck face yeah. is 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 speaking for the audience a lot of the times 
So gold. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions, Mary Clay? Oh, geez. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Who is your favorite fictional protagonist of all uh, time okay. in all things? So this is this is funny because I know these are supposed to be the rapid fire questions that are maybe easier to answer, but this is the one that I have been freaking out over <laughs> for a long time since you sent me the questions because I truthfully do not know. Like... I was like, I love Harry Potter, but I don't like Harry. <laughs> I mean, Harry's fine, but he's not my favorite protagonist. I was like, okay, what about other shows that I like? I'm like, I like Scrubs, but JD isn't my favorite protagonist. Uh, like, um, what movies do I like? Well, Clue is my favorite movie, but it's full of a bunch of people who murder each other. <laughs> so no one in that movie is my favorite protagonist. Um so with that caveat that I don't think anyone is really my favorite protagonist, I will go with my homegirl, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, yes. um, because today as we are recording is International Women's Day, and I'm also, I also put on my Captain Marvel t-shirt like without Love realizing it. it, and then I was like, oh wait, this is perfect timing. So I'll go with my homegirl, Captain Marvel. I like wanted to cry in in the theater during the scene where it shows her like getting up uh in all the different times in her life when she's been told to you know not get up and it's just it's so nice to have a a a really strong amazing wonderful superhero in the female superhero no offense black widow in the marvel universe i know we have black widow i know we have um what's her face wasp no, uh, that too. Uh, what's her face? She and has Scarlet, Wanda. Yeah, that's it. Scarlet Witch. Is that her Scarlet Witch. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're not my favorites, but Captain Marvel. I love her, and um, we better be getting a new movie soon. Anyway, so that yes. was a very long answer to your first rapid fire question. I hope <laughs> the other ones aren't as long. No, that's funny because Casey and I were just talking. We recorded an episode last night that won't come out for a couple weeks after this one, but it, I talk about. Captain Marvel and just how powerful she is and she's amazing so that's really fun. It's just nice to have her to look up to at like as someone who as a child I like I wish she was around when I was little and when I was you know when I was 10 years old and I was desperately looking for female role models in movies I wish she was around so the fact that she's around now for a bunch of like when I think it was maybe like the first comic-con or something after the movie came out and it was showing little girls dressed up as Captain Marvel standing next to uh, like Brie Larson or adult other adults who are dressed as Captain Marvel. It's so nice. And uh, you're going to need to ask the next question before I burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so stinging cute. Our, our daughter, who's four, she has a, a Captain Marvel dress that she loves. And she puts it on. Uh. And there's like, it's just like the picture of a belt on there. But she she's like, hold on. She gets dressed. And then she's like, hold on. I need to tighten my belt. And she like pretends to cinch it up. <laughs> And then she's like, now I'm ready. And she like strikes a superhero pose. (laughs) That's so cute. That's so stinking cute. (laughs) Well, on the opposite end, what is your, or who is your favorite fictional villain? My favorite fictional villain is James Moriarty in the BBC Sherlock series. 
He's portrayed by Andrew Scott, not to be confused with Adam Scott, who plays Ben Wyatt, which <laughs> I do all the time. Um, it's the most well done villain I've like ever seen in my life. And if you watch, uh, if you've never watched an episode of Sherlock and you're wondering who this villain is, just go to YouTube and type in Sherlock pool scene and you will see he does an amazing range of acting where he will be normal and you're like, is this guy really a villain? And then in a split second, he turns absolutely monstrous and it's terrifying and it's so good. And it was fun. I was thinking about it because it's so weird too, because he's maybe only in like 15 minutes of Sherlock like collectively. Oh, that's true. Uh, I didn't think about that because he plays such a big role in Sherlock's mind of trying to figure everything out, but he's not actually on screen a lot. Yeah, he's not on screen a lot. And I don't know, I was just thinking like, what are the TV shows and the movies where I was really satisfied by the protagonist fight against whoever they were fighting. And for me, it was Sherlock with Moriarty because, spoiler alert, when they kill him off and then it's revealed that, no, he actually is still dead, it was so disappointing. <laughs> and I was like, no, bring him back. I want him, I want him to come back. And it was kind of a similar thing. Kind of a similar thing happened a lot, which is why I stopped watching The Walking Dead, is they would have like some pretty good villains, and then they would kill him off. And I would be like, OK, well, you can't replace him. So right. that's not fun anymore. But yeah, be, uh, Moriarty on Sherlock is so good. You ready for the next question? Yes. Okay. In the Princess Diaries series, do you prefer Michael or Nicholas as Princess Mia's love interest? Nicholas, a hundred percent. I mean, I'm with do, you. Do but you there are know who love that? Michael. Do you know that I have literally been telling Tyler and Ethan like every time they text in our group chat and they're like, "What movie should we do?" I always say Princess Diaries. I uh, pretty much always say Princess Diaries or Princess Diaries to Royal Engagement. They're both quality, quality movies. The Royal Engagement is amazing and it has Chris Pine in it. It's so good. Yes, I knew you were a fan, so I was like, okay, I gotta ask this question. Also, I think that some other point you're gonna have to come on to Hello from Elsewhere on a on a regular inter- on a regular non-interview episode, and you and I can just talk about Princess Diaries. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, you could do that on a week where like Casey's out of town or something. One hundred percent. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is like I have more Princess Diaries trivia stored up in my brain about like behind the scenes making of the movie than anything I else I can so think much. of. Like it is my favorite. Oh my gosh. And of course it's got Julie Andrews. She's amazing She's and wonderful. She's my favorite. Yes. Oh, I love her. Actually, oh, sorry, going back to the very, like your very first question of what my first memory of like a piece of fiction is, there's a good chance it's also uh, like Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I know Julie Andrews isn't in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, but it's got Dick Van Dyke in both of them. But anyway, those were all, those were movies that were constantly watched in my household. Uh because they're, they're so good. They're so oh, good. Yes. Mary Poppins is one of my ultimate favorites. Julie Andrews yeah. is like my favorite person of oh, all time. She's wonderful. <laughs> I love her. I will cry and go into a week of grieving and wear like a black veil over my face when she passes away. 
Oh man, don't even mention it. Knock on wood. Oh god. Thing. Oh no, I brought it up on a podcast. I can't do that. I talked don't about Christopher it, Tolkien on I was on, on an episode of Tolkien about I started talking about Christopher Tolkien and then like that week the week that episode came out he died. So <laughs> knocking on wood profusely. Listeners, wherever you're listening, knock on wood right now. We need all the help we can get. I know. Uh, I just I mean, I already know the answer to this question, but I wanted to mention Princess Diary 3's Diaries 3 are you hoping for one there's been like talk but then not talk I don't know because I only I'm a firm believer in you should only make a movie if the or a sequel especially if the story is worth telling in a visual sense and uh and yeah, and so I don't know if they can come up with a good story for Princess Diaries 3 where she's happily married to Nicholas and they have a bunch of little babies running around Genovia. <laughs> My problem is that like I'm afraid for what the heck. Well, no, because I guess at the end of Princess Diaries 2, uh, what's her name? What's Julie Andrews character's oh, name? Queen Clarice. Clarice, yes. She steps down from the throne and Mia claims the throne and is now the queen because I, I was concerned I was like because the only way they could continue the story is if it picks up where like oh we're at Jul- we're at Clarice's funeral and I don't mm. want to see that no I don't want to see that that's either. heartbreaking you know <laughs> this is true you could go a really dark route maybe Genovio's at war with somebody else and this is like a <laughs> this is like an episode of the crown like it's a <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or if, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I I think as long as they could bring back the original cast, I'd be in. I would 100% watch it and be excited. Mm -hmm. I mean, from what I've seen, I think I've seen that like Anne Hathaway is totally into it. So that makes me happy. I think it's just a matter of you have to get Julie Andrews on board first. I think she would do it. She's so classy. And she knows how much people love it. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Chris Pine. Would Chris Pine come back? That's the real question. <sighs> I don't know. What's like? What's he up to these days? Is he after like, Star Trek? I don't know what else he's been in. I know. I truthfully, he's so dreamy, but <laughs> I don't know what, much else about him, aside the fact that he was in Princess Diaries too. <laughs> Chris Pine and Star it's Trek, his, of course. It's his claim to fame. Like, what Princess else is he Diaries known too? for? Yeah. Oh, he was in Wonder Woman. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Wonder Woman. Hmm. Which he's supposedly, according to the trailers. Oh, like, that's right. Back he was He was very briefly the voice of Peter Parker in Spider-Verse, but he dies 5 oh. minutes into the movie. So, he hasn't really done a lot of super successful well-known stuff in in a while. Hmm. Well, then All right, so I'd it say would he's be, in. It would be a great time for him to come back strong That's in true. Princess yeah. Diaries 3. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, a final rapid-fire question for you, Mary Clay. If you could meet J.R.R. Tolkien and only ask him one question, what would it be? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um... Oh, there are two questions that are at the forefront of my mind. Okay, I'll give you two. Let's hear them. Um, it would be, where are the Entwives? Yes. <laughs> and just like, who is Tom Bombadil? <laughs> who, who is this man? You need to... I, th- I feel like I would ask the Tom Bombadil question if it was only one, because I think that's what everyone 
that's what everyone is is really wanting to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, not quite a hobbit, like just, not quite a man, not quite... We just who don't is know this man? Is. I need yeah. some more information about him. You can't just drop such an enigma of a character <laughs> into a book and then not ever bring him up again. It's madness. <laughs> yeah. It does. It leaves a lot of questions to be asked. I know. Yeah, I think I, would, yeah I think I would ask him about Tom Bombadil. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. For the good of the fandom. For the, for the good of the fandom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Mary Clay, thank you so much for being a guest interview here. I've loved talking to you. Thank you for having me on. This is great to get to gush about one of my favorite shows that I, I think I, this will probably be like the billionth time I've said it, but it just it feels like a warm hug. And I hope that if you like Parks and Rec or you've never watched it before, that it also feels like a warm hug to you. And it's always a great a great time when I get to talk with you, Valerie. So thank you for having me on. <laughs> I honestly was just thinking my cheeks are hurting from like smiling and laughing so hard this episode. <laughs> just thinking about Parks it's and Rec. It's a good time. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, that has very little to do with me. That has so much to do with... <laughs> No, both, the, both. The insane, you always make me laugh. Crazy people of Pawnee. Oh, they're so silly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Where can people find you, Mary Clay? We mentioned your podcast. That's what I'm talking about, which is amazing. Thank you. Uh, yes, you can listen to That's What I'm Talking About. It comes out every Tuesday, wherever you get podcasts. And you can follow it on Instagram or Twitter at Tolkien About Pod. And I am on Instagram at MC Turn Down for Watt and on Twitter at MC What's Up. And then also I'm apparently now on TikTok because I made a TikTok today and I regret it. So <laughs> I made Look it making fun of the I made a, a TikTok for the female characters of Lord of the Rings for International Women's Day. The joke being that this is a very short video <laughs> because there are very few female like characters. Three. Three female characters yeah. in all of Tolkien. Yeah. Pretty much. It's very limited. Yep. <laughs> yep. We want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. And and if you want to engage with us, you can on Twitter and Instagram at elsewhere underscore pod. Hello from Elsewhere is a proud member of WBNE. You can find more podcasts like ours on the network on WBNE.org. You can also find the new podcast to the WBNE network, Late to the Party, which is a D&D adventure podcast. And here's a preview. In a world not unlike our own. It is a balmy 80 degrees in Miami, Florida. I'm chaotic neutral tiefling monk. I don't recall there being tieflings in Miami. Now you know the hammer toss isn't an actual hammer, right? It is in this universe. Okay. No, it's a, it's a big old it's a big old hammer. It's a big old sledgehammer. <laughs> Where magic and monsters run rampant. Kind of looks like a bug monster. Oh, Jordan has showed us a diagram of, uh, I think, Red Eye's Black Dragon from yeah. the Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh Yu-Gi-Oh! my god! <laughs> uh, well, I speak Infernal, so I'm gonna ask it what the heck it is. A real estate agent. Lily Davis, who sells real estate by day. A football coach. I love you. Don't touch my flowers. A failed actor. I am a former Broadway star. And a teenager. Sunny days, a student in college, crazy, right? Must save the world. 
and you're waving your clipboard back and forth and do i feel my clipboard connect with something yes. coming march 23rd to wbne late to the party all right and mary clay will you give us a happy beeps happy beeps happy beeps <laughs>